Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Before we get into the Week 17 preview, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. Happy New Year's, everybody. Today is January 1st, 2021. It's New Year's Day. 2020 was a rough year for a lot of people, if not everybody across the country in one way or another. So that year is behind us. It's a new year, and hopefully we see a little bit more positivity around the world in 2021. And it would be great if it started this weekend with a Colts win and then one of the other four. Could we get a Steelers win, a Bills win, a Bengals win, or a Texans win? As we head into week 17, I can't believe it's already week 17. This season has flown by for as bad of a year as 2020 was. And as long as March and April were after that, the months did seem to go quicker. Kind of like they were making up for how long March and April were. And this season's really flown by. We saw the Jaguars in week one. They beat us and they've only lost, oh, I don't know, 14 games since. They're 1-14. in we are 10 and 5. This game should not be competitive. They're without multiple top players, and they don't have a lot of top players to begin with. They're not going to have Robinson. They've benched Gardner Minshew. God only knows why. No DJ Chark. So they are depleted. They really have no business being in this game as the Colts fight for their playoff lives. Unfortunately, we don't control our own destiny. We blew the game to the Steelers. The Raiders blew that game to Miami. And now we are sitting here in week 17 needing a win plus help from one of those other four teams. So we're going to go into this weekend, 1 o'clock. We're going to have our Bills hats on. We're going to have our Steelers hats on. We're going to have our Bengals hats on and hoping to get one out of those three games. If we get one of those games to go in our favor, then we go into 4 o'clock, split screen, Colts, Jags, and Texans, Titans. But it's nice knowing at 1 o'clock we will have an opportunity to control our own destiny for at least a wild card spot at 4 o'clock. You really want to kick off at 4 o'clock knowing, okay, it doesn't matter what goes on in Texans-Titans. It would be great to win the division and have the Texans win and us win and us go on to win the AFC South. That's the goal this weekend. That's best case scenario, a Titans loss and a Colts win or a Titans tie and a Colts win or a Titans loss and a Colts tie. Just finishing ahead of the Titans and winning the AFC South. That's best case scenario, but I like kicking off at 425, controlling our own destiny. That's what I wanted last week. That's why we all changed our profile pictures on Saturday night to the Raiders that's why blowing that 17-point lead was so insanely frustrating against the Pittsburgh Steelers because if the Raiders hold on or we hold on, we are going into this game, beat the 1-14 Jacksonville Jaguars, and you are locked into the playoffs. You don't have to worry about any of the other four teams unless you want to win the division. Then you have to worry about Texans-Titans. But going into this weekend, especially if you don't get any result you need at 1 o'clock and the Dolphins win and the Ravens win, and the Browns win, then we go into 4 o'clock having to watch two games at one time where if the Colts are up 21 nothing, it doesn't matter if 
the Titans are also up 14-0 because our result won't matter unless we get both results at 4 o'clock. So you really, really, really want at 1 o'clock, and that's where all our attention will be at 1 o'clock on those three games. So we could head into 425 knowing that a win gets us in, and then after everything that happened last weekend with the Raiders blowing that game to the Dolphins the way they did, with us blowing that game to the Steelers the way we did, that we could go into 425 controlling our own destiny. That is the goal on Sunday. And then also terrible news this week, Anthony Costanza will be out for the remainder of the season. He had ankle surgery or will have ankle surgery, which will end his season not only this week in week 17, but also if the Colts make the playoffs, make a playoff run, he will be out for the remainder of the 2020-2021 season. And that also makes you think in the back of your head, last year, Anthony Costanzo contemplated retirement. Here we are a year later, ankle surgery, a couple different injuries building up this year, the knee, the ankle. Does he now say, you know what, I know I signed that two-year contract, but one year is enough for me. I have to walk away from the game because those thoughts were already in his head last year. And now another year older, injuries starting to build up, but he is invaluable to this franchise. So you hope and you pray that he could stick it out one more year for the Colts in 2021 and finish out the second year of the two-year deal he signed with the Colts in March. So there's a lot going on as we head into Week 17. Yeah, Luke, a lot to unpack there. I would start with the uh, playoff situation, and just it's funny to me. It's it's really insane. All those teams that you talked about, the wild-card teams, could all win you know, like the Dolphins, the the Browns, and the Ravens, and we could be looking at being on the outside looking in, and then suddenly the Texans could, could upset the Titans, and all of a sudden we go from being not in the playoffs to being a four seed and hosting a playoff game. That's how crazy this season's been. So, look, I'm not looking for any – like, I, I, I'm not, I'm expe- I always say this. Pray for the best, expect the worst as far as these situations go. Hopefully we'll find a way somebody will win and we'll get in the playoffs, but I'm not expecting it. I, I just, for me, I want the Colts to go out, finish the season strong, and let the chips fall where they may. I said at the beginning of the year I thought the Jacksonville game might end up biting us in the ass, and I think in the end that's probably going to be true. So I, I think there's a chance we make the playoffs. I don't feel great about it, but it is what it is. We we've made the bed got to lay at it i mean you blow a 24 7 lead with the playoffs on the line and we all knew what what that pittsburgh game meant and we had complete control of it we dominated the first 20 what the first uh 35 minutes of it and then just you know just completely melted down so i mean at the end of the day it's on us i don't blame the raiders i don't blame i don't blame the browns i don't blame it's on us and so that's the way it is as far as costanzo goes that's a huge loss for this offensive line I don't think it'll be a major loss this week. As Luke said, we're going against a terrible team, one that, you know, sadly has only beaten us, which is pretty embarrassing. But I, I think we can get through the game without him. I think they brought in uh, Val Deer and worked him out, and he played pretty well last year. So if you could get some depth there and maybe you move Quentin outside, who knows what they're going to do. But uh, if you go to the playoffs, I think you really got to consider moving Quentin to tackle because – you're going to be playing the best defenses and all that stuff. But that's me getting way ahead of myself. Right now, we got to worry about the Jacksonville Jaguars taking care of our business, which is what we didn't do last week. And as far as AC goes, I hope he comes back because we don't have 
a left tackle right now. And and if we draft a rookie left tackle, there's going to be I'll tell you right now, there's going to be some speed bumps for that young kid. It's not going to be an easy road. The left tackle is like quarterback in a lot of ways. It's very difficult for young players because you're generally going against really, really athletic guys that have experience, and it takes a while to adjust. So I really hope AC comes back for the final year of his non-guaranteed contract year and uh, finishes out his career strong because I really think there's a significant chance that next year's team is a lot better than this year's. So there's a lot to unpack there, but I know we got one more game to go. So, Luke, let's jump into this Jacksonville game. Yeah, and it's an interesting podcast, Jason, because you're playing a team that's clearly been tanking all year. Not week one, of course. They go out, they beat us week one. But then they go into full-fledged tank mode. It doesn't look like they're going to get the number one pick this year. You have the Jets who started off 0-13. They looked like a surefire first-round pick, Trevor Lawrence, 0-16 team. The Jaguars stick to their guns. They keep losing. They stay true to the tank. The Jets slip up. They win a game, then they win back-to-back games. The Jaguars have actually clinched the number one overall pick. So it was like the opposite of a team resting for the playoffs. It's like, well, maybe the Jaguars will come out in this game and play hard because a win can't jeopardize their number one pick. They are locked into that pick, and they will most likely draft Trevor Lawrence as long as he comes out with that number one pick. So it's a weird Jaguar team, and they announced today no Gardner Minshew and no James Robinson, the talented rookie running back. So – It's like they're still kind of in this tank mode. They almost don't want to show their hand that they've been tanking all year. So as we get into the Jaguars offense, it's a real makeshift offense. Not a lot there outside of DJ Chark. So 19.5 points per game, 29th in the National Football League. They've allowed 38 sacks. They've turned the ball over 24 times. No Minshew, so Mike Glennon will start this weekend. He is 2-11 as a starter since 2014. He's 0-4 this year as a starter for the Jaguars. No James Robinson, as I said, and no DJ Chark. So they're down their top receiver. They're down their top running back. And they seemingly benched their top quarterback. So this is a Jaguars offense with not a lot of talent on it heading into Week 17. Yeah, they're, uh, man, they're bad. And uh, it's embarrassing that we lost to them. They've got Keelan Cole, 52 receptions, 619 yards, 11.9 yards per reception, five touchdowns. Then you've got the rookie out of Colorado, LaVisca Chenault, 52 receptions, 532 yards, 10.2 yards per reception, three touchdowns. So he's had a, a quiet, a quietly had a, a solid season for a rookie. So they've got something to build with, with the, with the rookie receiver from Colorado, some other notable guys they have at tight end. Tyler Eifert's had a solid year. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy and wide receiver Chris Conley. But really, they're—I mean—they're—they're they're playing Glennon. He's not a great player. He's—he's going to have trouble getting the ball. These guys—he uh, tr- really struggled this year at quarterback. There's not a whole lot. I mean, they're going to—the backup running back has very little experience, and James Robinson is—is going to be a really good player for them for a long time. I mean, he had. 1,070 yards, 4.5 yards per carry, seven touchdowns, 49 receptions, 344 yards, and three touchdowns. That's for a rookie, undrafted rookie. That's that's an insane rookie season. So they're going to really miss him in this game. Uh, obviously, the game doesn't mean anything to him, but I mean he's a he's extremely talented player. So that's another guy they're going to miss. Uh, Minshew plays like Joe Montana against us. I really don't know why they don't play Minshew. I mean, and you look at his statistics, they're really not that bad. I mean, 66 percent completion 16 touchdowns five interceptions 
on that team, that's not bad. I don't know. I, I guess it was all for the tank, Luke. I mean, I guess that's what it was. But as far as this offense goes, it's 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 garbage. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because we could say it's for the tank, and throughout the course of the year, I definitely think it was for the tank. But they clinched the number one pick. So even if you want to trade Gardner Minshew, you could use this game, and definitely this game since he turns into God against us. He has six touchdowns to one interception. He's 2-0 and against the Colts. The win doesn't change your chances of getting Trevor Lawrence. It's not a draft lottery. So if you win or lose this game, it doesn't affect it. So I don't understand in this game why they're not starting him. He seems like a good kid. They actually really like him. Like the Jaguar fans, I'm sure they all want Trevor Lawrence, at least the smart ones. But they all seem to like Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania. I'm surprised he's not starting in this game because the win doesn't hurt your draft stock. So it doesn't make any sense to me. But other than that, throughout the course of the year, the reason he's gotten the short end of the stick is definitely because they were a team not interested from the top down in winning. The upper management, the GM, the owner ownership they did not want to win this season so it's an interesting predicament but this week I have no answer for why he's not starting unless he's hurt but it doesn't sound like he was hurt the way it sounded like he got benched so keys to the game for the Colts key number one play consistent for 60 minutes no penalties tackle well and get pressure on McGlennon this is not a good offense get on him early stay on him step on their neck and that's what the Colts defense should do in this game kind of like the Jets game in week three yeah, I just really want to see the defense play a consistent 60-minute game. And whether we make the playoffs or not, I mean, obviously I want to make the playoffs. We, we all do. But if this is their last game, I want them to play their best game and finish strong and, and play as well as they possibly can. And, and they really should dominate this game. So, yeah, I want to see a consistent, top-notch effort from all of these players for 60 minutes, leave it all out on the field. And, you know, just play as hard as you can, and that's all you can ask. So, And I would love to see no penalties and, and better tackling and, and, and getting to this Glennon more than they got to Ben Roethlisberger, which was they barely got to him. So getting to Glennon, I think, makes this game a really simple game. If they can get to him, I think they'll, they'll, for, they'll force a lot of turnovers. So that's probably the biggest key. But I just want to see him finish out the season strong, play the way they started the season when they were playing really well, for you know 60 minutes i want to see that again i want to just see them just stomp on this team and play consistent for 60 minutes yep and it's definitely something we've struggled with all year on both sides of the ball the offense usually starts really well and then ends not so well the defense usually gets off to a slow start then it ends really well except this week against the steelers and except that ravens game for the most part the offense starts good finishes slow and then the opposite with the defense and when you look at a team like the Jaguars, there's really no excuse. There's really no reason not to be able to put together a complete game. The offense has done it once or twice this year. The defense has also done it. And the defense was doing it pretty consistently in the beginning of the year. Like that check game minus one drive, it was a pretty complete game. I thought that the Bears game was a pretty complete game. And it would be great to see it in this week, whether this catapults you into the playoffs or not. This is a Jaguar team. That is not very good. They're just not. I mean, they've lost 14 games in a row. And we should be pissed off that they beat us. And it should be a little bit of a revenge game. A lot of bit of a revenge game for the Colts. Because it's embarrassing. You're the only team to lose to a team who should go 1-15 after this week. And you definitely don't want to be the only team to lose to them twice. So, definitely got to play 60 minutes. Put them away. And just dominate from the opening kickoff to the final whistle just dominate for 60 minutes. Key number two, force turnovers. 
We did not force one single turnover last week. That's got to change. Force a turnover this week against a Mike Glennon-led offense. Yeah, I mean, it's really simple. We When we force turnovers, we win. When we don't, we, we generally don't win, and especially when we turn it over on offense. So uh, definitely force force some turnovers this week, and it'll make the game a lot easier. So, I mean, it, it's a, it, there's not a lot to say other than, you know, put pressure on the quarterback. He'll turn the ball over, make the game a lot easier to win. And key number three, no big plays. They have some playmakers at receiver, but other than that, with the quarterback they have, with the offensive line, with the offense in general, missing Robinson, there's no reason this team should hit on big plays this week. Key number three, no big plays. I mean, this team scores 19.5 points per game. I mean, that's that's horrible. And they're missing their best player, which is the undrafted rookie, and they're not playing the quarterback that carves us up like a, like a turkey dinner. So the Colts should really dominate this game. And so shutting down the big plays, and I mean no big plays in the sense that, you know, chunk plays, you know, touchdowns down the field, breakdowns in coverage, or, you know, momentum-changing pass interference plays. Like, just none of that stuff. Just no big plays. It all goes together. Consistent play, you know, consistency for 60 minutes, you know, forcing turnovers, no big plays. It all goes together every week. We've, we've stayed on these keys all year. When we do these things, we win. When we don't do these things, we lose. And so it's pretty simple. No big plays makes the game a hell of a lot easier. Flipping over now to the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. They allow 31 points per game, which is 31st in the National Football League. They forced 16 turnovers, and they only have 18 sacks, so just a little bit over one sack per game, and then about one turnover per game. And if the Colts don't turn over the ball this week, which we shouldn't do against this defense, they will finish the season with exactly one forced turnover per game. And then not a lot of talent on this defense. Guys have missed a lot of time. They traded away a bunch of players during last season and then during the offseason. They traded away Ramsey last year. They traded away Boye. They traded away Campbell. They got nothing back. I think they got a fifth-round pick for Campbell. So this is not your typical Jacksonville Jaguars defense over the last couple of years. And they are led by Joe Sherbert, 132 tackles, six tackles for loss, six quarterback hits, 2.5 sacks, three interceptions, and a defensive touchdown scored. Which is funny because when you look at the Steelers last week in comparison to the guy who has the best numbers for the Jaguars, there's like eight guys on the Steelers' defense with better numbers than that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. There's, again, no surprise, not a lot on this defense. You got Schobert, then you got another linebacker, Miles Jack, who we all know, very solid player, 113 tackles, six tackles for loss, two QB hits, one sack, one forced fumble, one INT. Their best defensive lineman, shockingly, this year has been Dwayne Smoot, kid out of Illinois that I liked a few years ago. 23 tackles, five tackles for loss, 17 quarterback hits, which is by far the most on this team, five and a half sacks, which also leads the team, and two forced fumbles. Some other notable players, safety Josh Jones, cornerback Trey Herndon, cornerback Greg Mabin, defensive end Adam Gotsis, and rookie from LSU, defensive end Clavion Chason. So they've got a lot of young players. They're trying to see what they have. They're not very good. They're not good against the run. They're not good against the pass. The one thing I will say is in the first game, I remember doing the pregame for that show saying, the one thing we can't do is let this team hang around. We can't turn the ball over and allow them to stay in the game. And we did all of those things, and they stayed in the game, and they won the game. So in this game, we can, you know, we're going to get into the keys, and I'm, I'll just start with the first one, Luke. 
no turnovers. In the first game, I think we turned it over three times. We cannot turn the ball over in this game. There was no excuse for it. This is a makeshift defense, and they're just not very good. I mean, they're 31st in the league. They're terrible. They average. They give up 31 points per game. I mean, that's that's awful. I know you usually do the keys, but I'll just check number one off right away because it's one every we say every week it's no turnovers because that's the key. Like, we don't turn the ball over. We haven't lost, so don't turn the ball over. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost key zero because it's a key every single week, as it should be. We are 7-0 and when we don't turn over the football. And what was that number I said for them, Jason, this year? They forced 16 turnovers. We turned the ball over twice in week one. So that means in the last 14 weeks, they've only turned the ball over 14 times. And who knows? I mean, we might have the most turnovers on the year against them because they just haven't forced turnovers this year. So... It's key, it's imperative this week that we don't turn over the football, and this could be a record-breaking game for us because we matched our Indianapolis season high in games without a turnover. The season high was back in the Manning era. We had a year where we only turned the ball over zero times in seven games, so seven games without a turnover. We went 6-1 and one that year. This year we've already tied that number, and we surpassed in record going 7-0. and oh. So, there's an opportunity to make it eight, and that's really impressive. Half the season, every other game, you don't turn over the ball. So that's the goal this week. Key number one, very, very straightforward. Don't turn over the football, make it 8-0. And then key number two, stick with what works, something Reich has struggled with mightily this season, and we've gotten on him for it, and that is key number two. Stick with what works. If it works, make them stop it. Don't just look at a formation defensively, get scared, and say, okay, we're going to try something else. Yeah, this uh, this is where my frustration with him lies. It's very frustrating. He, I think I talked about this on the post game, and it's it's very frustrating listening to him say we checked out a pass or we checked out a runs because they were in, you know, they brought the extra guy up or their the you know they were their run package was or they were run heavy in the defense or whatever you know they were loaded up in the box. We've run against stacked boxes a million times. That's never been a reason for us to just abandon the run. We did it with Jacoby all the time. Mac had huge games with stacked boxes against Kansas City and Jacksonville and, and a lot of other teams. So I don't buy his BS excuse that they were checking out a you know, checking out a runs the other passes, you know, because of the defense. You could this and, and you know, their stats were were fine in the second half when, when they actually ran it. They just didn't run it enough. And that's the thing I don't like about Reich is he's very impatient. He doesn't stay with something because it doesn't work one time. He just goes away from it, and it's very frustrating. So, yes, sticking with what works will be – this is going to be an offensive key for the next year because until I see him stick with what works until somebody stops it, it's going to piss me off because it's cost us games. And, honestly, it probably will cost us the playoffs. But the way he coached that last – and I know we're not. I know you don't, guys don't want to hear us rehash the Pittsburgh game, but I just want to say this: the way he coached the last 25 minutes of that Pittsburgh game, if we don't make the playoffs, is the reason why we don't make the playoffs. Because if he just runs the ball and keeps our defense off the field and eats the clock, we win the game. I don't care what anybody says, we win the game. And because he checked out of all those plays, we had to throw the ball. Phil got hit, Phil got sacked, Phil threw interceptions, the defense was on the field, didn't get a rest. I mean, it was a recipe to blow a 17-point lead, and he executed it to a T. So, yes, the offensive key number two is stick with what works, Frank. 
If you're running the ball, keep running the ball until they stop it. If you're throwing the ball and they can't stop it, keep throwing the ball until they stop it. It seems simple enough, right? But apparently it's not. Yep, like you said, that'll be a key to the game, not just this week, not just in the playoffs if we make the playoffs, but all of next year. So next year, we might not even do offensive keys to the game. We might do one key every week because turnovers, no turnovers is automatic, and then sticking with what works is automatic. And then key number three, it's kind of a combination of the two plus penalties and drops and other stuff of that nature. Don't beat yourself. So don't turn over the football. Reich, don't beat yourself by coaching against yourself. Don't get away from what works just because you want to be different or you want to be the smartest guy in the room or whatever it might be. I don't know what the reason is why he does it. If he saw a loaded box and he got scared and he wanted to throw the ball, I don't know what it was. But don't beat yourself. Don't drop the ball. Don't commit penalties, dumb penalties. Don't turn the ball over. Don't outsmart yourself if you're Frank Reich. So just all the above when it comes to not beating yourself. Because when a team hasn't beaten anybody in 15 weeks, it tells me that they need somebody else to beat themselves to win a game. And we did that week one. And we said in the week one recap, we said the Jaguars didn't win this game. We beat ourselves. Rivers threw two picks. We turned the ball over. We had penalties. We had everything you couldn't have. Reich outsmarted himself with the draw to Hines on fourth and one. And here we are all the way now in week 17, and they still haven't won a game since. Why? Because nobody they've played has beaten themselves when they played the Jaguars, or at least not enough, but nobody played as poorly as the Colts in week one. So key number three, don't beat yourself. Yeah, I couldn't have really said that any better, man. I mean, you really covered all the bases there. I mean, really, week one is a perfect example, and you and you just laid that out. I mean, that's exactly what happened. We dropped the I mean, – T.Y. had a bad game. He dropped passes. We got penalties. We turned the ball over. The only way bad teams beat you in this league is if, you, if you're a good team is if you keep them in the game by doing things that you shouldn't do, like drop passes and turn the ball over and get stupid penalties. And I think we did all three. We covered all three bases in that first game, and we certainly covered all three last week. So I would love to see this offensive line just maul this this defense, get Jonathan Taylor 1,000 yards because I think he's earned it. You know what I would love to see, Luke? I'd love to see him get 28 to 30 carries in this game. Let him end the season strong. He should have got that last week. We screwed that up. So if he's running the ball against this team, let him run the ball 30 times, and you can throw it 15 and win by 40. I mean, wouldn't that be nice? That would be very nice. I'm not into the personal accolades, but I would love to see him get to 1,000. He could potentially be the third Colts running back to get to 1,000 yards and 10 rushing touchdowns behind or along with only Edron James and Marshall Folk. Both guys are in the Hall of Fame. So that'll be a tremendous group to have your name amongst with Edge. Now, Edge, I think, ran for 1,500 yards and like 13 or 14 touchdowns. And then Marshall Falk, I think, had 1,200 yards. But in just 15 games, he could get to 1,000 yards. He could get to 10 rushing touchdowns. He has that receiving touchdown. I think he has about 300 yards receiving. And he's put together a really nice, after a slow start, a really, really nice rookie season. So I would love to see him finish out get to 1,000 yards, get to 10 rushing touchdowns, put his name amongst the greats in terms of rookie success with Edron James and Marshall Falk, and we're off to the races in year two for Jonathan Taylor because this kid obviously has an extremely, extremely bright future. 
And it's prediction time, Jason. I will let you go first and do not make the same mistake you made in week one. <laughs> it's funny, Luke, it's funny you brought that up, man, because I went back and listened to the very early season prediction uh, when we went through the – as soon as the schedule comes out, you guys know this, we go through the schedule, we predict you know, the way too early schedule predictions, and I predicted the Colts would lose to Jacksonville in that prediction. But then when the week came around to actually pick, I picked the Colts and we all know how that went. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention about that way too early prediction thing, Luke picked the Colts to go 12 and four, which we really should have been if we wouldn't have pissed away the game last week, I picked them to go 11 and five. It looks like I'm probably going to be right, but I really think Luke was probably closer to being right. We just gave a game away, but anyway, you guys want to hear my pick and I, and you know what I'm going to say, I'm picking the Colts. No, I'm just kidding. I'm picking the Jags, baby. All right. So because you said Colt, I say the Colts trail after the first quarter, but then they come back and win the game. So I'm going <laughs> with the Colts in this game. I think the Colts go out. I think they blow the doors off them. There's no reason not to. You play at the same time as the Texans and Titans. So even if all the other games don't go in your direction, you still have something to play for in that game because you're going head-to-head with that Texans-Titans game. And I also want to say this. Ballard and Reich this week have discussed putting the Texans-Titans game on the Jumbotron. I'm not about it. I don't care because we have no effect we can't change the outcome of that game that game doesn't affect us at all until both games hit double zeros on the clock all it will do is distract the players distract the coaches distract the guys on the sideline even if it's you know even if you're on the field and you're able to concentrate on the plays if you're on the sideline and you have one eye up on the scoreboard and then one eye on your ipad trying to figure out what you just did wrong on the field as the coach is trying to coach you up, or if the coach has one eye on the scoreboard and he's not coaching you up properly, it's a distraction. So I don't see any reason, any reason whatsoever to have the game on because we can't control the outcome of the game. We go out and we play our game, especially if we already get an outcome we want at 1 o'clock. So as you hear my yeah. dog barking in the background. So we <laughs> Your get dog agrees. <laughs> the dog agrees. The dog's like, don't do it, don't do it. Turn off the jumbotron. Bark, 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 bark. So what we need to do is turn it off, do whatever you normally do on the Jumbotron, get loud, third and one, all that crap, and go about it like a regular game. Don't put anything on the Jumbotron. And if they normally put games on the Jumbotron, don't do it this week because this week's a little bit different. The scoreboard watching in week 17 when you know you need something is different than a normal week when you're kind of just going through the motions. So even if you get the result at 1 o'clock, I still want to go out and win this game, and I still care what's going on in Texans-Titans, but it's just about winning this game because if you get your 1 o'clock result, you just need a win against the Jaguars. So there's no reason to be distracted. Now the only reason you would need to know the score of Texans-Titans during this game would be a coaching decision in overtime. Let's say this game goes to overtime. Let's say the Colts have ball on the 20-yard line. And think back to 2018 when we had the ball yep. in midfield. We had an opportunity to punt. We defended Reich going for it. We ended up turning the ball yep. over on downs. The Texans get a field goal. They win the game. Let's say we have that same scenario play out in this game. If Texans-Titans finish before us, and being that this game would be in overtime, the chances are their game would already be over. If their game's already over and the Titans lose that game, they will be 10-6. and six. 
if we tie, we would be 10-5-1. So a tie would give us the division. Even if all those teams we need to win lose at 1 o'clock, we could still win the division with a tie if they lose. So let's say we have the ball on our own 40-yard line and there's 15 seconds left and it's 4th and 8. If you need to win the game to win the division and make the playoffs, then you're going to go for it and you're going to try to get in field goal range and kick a game-winning field goal. If the Titans lose, then you punt, you play defense because at that point, punting and preventing them from scoring with, let's say, 10 seconds left, if you could pin them inside the 10, gives you a much greater probability of finishing the game with a win or tie than if you were to turn the ball over on downs on your own 40-yard line and they just needed to pick up one first down kick a game-winning field goal and the game's over. So that's really the only scenario I could see playing out where scoreboard watching Texans-Titans changes anything in this game. Because at that point, even if you get a result you want at 1 o'clock, you still would take the tie because the win would give you both, but you don't even need to finish ahead of any of those teams because you could just win the division with the tie. So that's the only scenario playing out. But Frank Wright could have Chris Ballard buzz it into his ear over the headset, hey, Titans lost. You don't need to have a scoreboard watching the game. I just think watching the game is a total distraction to the players and coaches on the sideline. Yeah, I totally agree, man. And I really, again, you're killing it in this preview because I couldn't have said it any better. I, I wholeheartedly agree. This is about the Colts and the Jaguars. That's all it's about. They need to go out, play their game, play as good as they can, and put a beating on this team. They owe them an ass-kicking from week one. They embarrassed the Colts. The Colts are the only team that loses to this team. And they're coming off the most heartbreaking loss in probably the last seven years that we've had. Um, it's, I mean, it's just a devastating loss. I, I just hope they go out there. They don't need that as motive. They don't. They should already be motivated, and pissed off, just to go out there and just destroy this 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 makeshift team. So they don't need that distraction. That's not. There's no positive that comes out of that. So I agree with you, man. I just no. Just keep that away from them. Let, let them focus on the Jags. Let them go out there and bury this team. Blow them off the field. I want to see them just. I want to see a game like they had with the Jets where they just go out there and dominate from start to finish and whatever happens and all the rest are, you know, outside of our control. We have no control over it. What we can control is how we finish the season. And that's still important to me. I want to finish the season with a win, you know, with some momentum going into next year. If we don't make the playoffs and if we do make the playoffs, I want that momentum going into the, to the, to the playoffs, even if it is against Jacksonville. Going out there and beating the crap out of them will give your team some confidence and a good feeling going into the playoffs, or it'll give them a good feeling going into the offseason. Either way, that's the way I would play it, and I totally agree with what you said, Luke. I couldn't have said it any better. Yeah, and as much as it would hurt to lose all these tiebreakers and miss the playoffs at 11-5, and there's also something fulfilling about how historic the miss would be. Now, it won't feel like that at first, but when you really – sit back and think about, wow, the only year in NFL history this team wouldn't make the playoffs with this current playoff format would be this season. And that really makes you think, you know what, wow, we are just as good as any of these teams that made the playoffs in the AFC outside of probably Kansas City and Buffalo. We're right there with all these teams. And also, you can't get swept by the Jags. So the Jag- you can't get swept by a team that's 0-14 against the rest of the league. It just can't happen. That would be 
especially if you get one of the other results. Could you imagine if Pittsburgh oh, or don't Buffalo don't wins don't and you lose this game to oh. the Jaguars? That's a fireable offense for the coach. And I am not oh. in favor right now of firing anybody. But if you get out coached by Greg Marone, who's already basically been fired, and <laughs> you, you don't go, even know his name. It's Doug Marone. <laughs> I always say Greg Marone played for the Pistons, right? Greg Monroe. Monroe. <laughs> I always do that. I combine the two names. So oh, my funny. God. I do that I actually... all the time. And I've done that for years, Jason. He needs to get fired already so I could stop calling him by the wrong name. You won't have to worry. He's going to get fired, and Urban Meyer is going to be there to uh, to start a tire fire. Yep. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Enjoy all the games this weekend. It doesn't even need to be said. We've said it the last, I think, six weeks. Must-win game for the Colts. Obviously, this is a must-win game for the Colts because even if all four teams we need to win win and we lose, we still miss the playoffs. So we need this win. We need one of four teams to help us out. Put on your Bill hat. Put on your Steeler hat. Put on your Bengal hat at 1 o'clock and then go split screen at 4 o'clock. Colts, Texans, and Deshaun Watson. We have been so complimentary of you on this podcast. How many times have we prayed? We've been kinder to Deshaun Watson than the Colts after Colts-Texans games this year. We've praised him, and they've been really good. Even though they're 4-11, and they've been really good against the AFC South. They took us one play away from either overtime or beating us in regulation the last two times they played us with fumbles inside the five-yard line, and they went to overtime with the Titans. So they've been knocking on the door of winning one of these AFC playoff kind of games, AFC South playoff kind of games between the Colts and the Titans. So this is your opportunity. You have a top-five quarterback. You have J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt gave that inspirational press conference this week so I think they're going to come and show up and I think they're going to play hard and I think everybody in this division hates the Titans like I think the Titans are the most hated team in this division so they have something to play for it's to knock them out of potentially the playoffs and at least the AFC South if they get a win so big Texans fans at four o'clock as well as the Colts no matter what happens at one o'clock I still want the division so Colts Steelers Bills, Texans, Bengals. This weekend on Sunday should be a jam-packed Sunday afternoon. And we will be back to wrap it all up Sunday night right here on the For the Culture Podcast.